Hello everyone and welcome back. Welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. Today we have the absolute pleasure to welcome Ian Murphy to the show. And this show is a little bit more for the UK people if you want. Or you can see and you can pick on a little bit behind the humor that we have in the UK. Because Ian Murphy is very, very raw, real, dry. And it's, if you want, a different perspective from cyber. We see a lot of marketing. We see a lot of messaging. Or we saw a lot of cybersecurity training. And Ian tries to break really, really the barrier between what's boring and what's fun to make and interesting. And if if you haven't seen his video around LinkedIn or around the UK cyber community please do because they're super super funny and uh, yeah it's it's been an absolute pleasure doing this show and Ian comes from a completely different background and he kind of grow into cyber security and learn to embrace it and make it his own one so this episode is really special for people that if you want come left field in cybersecurity and don't know where to start and want an inspiration and Ian is exactly that he is a great inspiration he's a funny person and we have a lot of we had a lot of fun recording this episode and uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode that you stay safe and you keep uh, a little bit of fun in your life and because in during this period things can get dark so just always always have a smile on your face or even in darker spirits just you know bring a smile to yourself or to people around you like Ian does I hope you enjoy this is your host Francesco stay safe and have fun welcome to the Cybersecurity and cloud podcast where we hear the stories of information security professionals This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. Today we have the honor and the pleasure to have Ian Murphy on the shows. And for the for few guys that you don't see LinkedIn maybe or you don't see the social media, you might not know Ian. For the rare portion of the of the population, they might not know Ian and his video and his presence on social media. But maybe Ian. Can you give our listener a little bit about yourself, a little bit about what you do and uh, what uh, brought us together? Sure. So I am a a long-term sufferer of the cybersecurity disease. So I have been in the industry probably since around the early to mid-90s. And I have been lucky enough to have worked with a number of great companies and great individuals. I think uh, for for me, that gives me, I think, a unique background of seeing things come and go all the time within the industry. And uh, currently, I am vice president for a company called Elementrix. 
And what we do is uh, we offer managed detection response services for customers who want to understand uh, what attacks are currently bypassing their prevention type of controls and also reduce the dwell time that attackers spend on networks. They are kind of two major tenants. Uh, what brought us together, uh, Buddy, I think is probably a... Social a media panther. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pro pro probably that and, and a dislike of um, spurious claims made by vendors maybe around the efficacy of their solutions for customers. That's my polite way of saying utter bullshit and lies from vendors. Everyone doesn't know, I'm not going to beep the, the whole show because uh, we're going to be pretty much on a roll. We had Tom Langford on the show the other time. So the, 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 banter, the banter and the conversation, our audience is, is kind of used by now to the awesome. you know, kind of direct approach of the podcast of Nokia's <laughs> just direct. And I'm, I'm completely with you. And sometime, uh, especially I was discussing with Daniel yesterday, uh, or Mr. Robot, for who knows it, on uh, on Twitter or, or actually on LinkedIn, that LinkedIn is is being polished a lot, and specifically during COVID, we've seen a lot of snake oil being sold of oh, protect your organization against uh, spam for COVID and things like that, or or a lot of things directed at uh, uh, COVID-related things, and. We had a conversation, for example, with Sue, uh, Stu, Cyber Stu, for who knows it on Twitter, on the fact that by ethical means, they're not going to touch the COVID things at all for, for being ethical. So uh, what's your impression on, on, on what's going on uh, across LinkedIn? Our vendor speaking about COVID-related security, <laughs> as is a uh -huh. new thing. <laughs> So, so I've, I've, I've got a hammer just in case I need to keep hitting myself on the head. <laughs> so I actually had that to do DIY. Don't ask. Don't ask. I'm the worst DIY person. Well, I've seen, I've seen your video, so it, it's a useful prop. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, I, I've said quite often and quite frequently that, um, you know, attackers will do what attackers do. Mm -hmm. You know, they will go after the weakest link in the chain will go after the kind of uh, weakest animal in, in the herd. That's what they do. And, and they prey on those things. They, they prey on fear, uncertainty and doubt. But so do vendors. Mm. And this is the problem. This is where we have to get smarter. We can't keep using fear, uncertainty and doubt as a sales tactic. So if we're approaching people on LinkedIn to say, hey, how are you keeping safe and well during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic? Um, by the way, did you know our VPN solution solves um, world hunger, the Middle East crisis, and, uh, <laughs> Who knows? and a bunch of other stuff, you know? <laughs> and and we've, already, we've already solved the, uh, the time paradox for time travel as well. So it, it's, it's that kind of ham-fisted approach and, and I've been mistaken previously by others for saying, don't sell during the pandemic. I'm not saying that. I'm saying be a little bit more sensitive about your approach. Make it truly valuable to the end user that you're going after. But also as well, don't, don't go straight in. And, uh, so it's almost, exactly. So it's almost like being in a nightclub 
seeing a girl across the or, or, or a boy, whatever your um, you know, whatever your well, interest good is save, in, good save, good in, save. In, in the opposite sex or the same sex, you know. Um, but seeing somebody you're attracted to across the dance floor, walking over there and saying, "Get your coat, love, you've pulled," you know. So, so it's it it, it it's it's that's that is akin to what most of that sales pattern is about at the moment. Instead of going up and saying, hey, how are you, my name's so-and-so, uh, what are your interests, tell me about you, blah, blah, you, you know, getting, trying to build up a relationship first, trying to build up some common ground, and listen, you're not going to build up common ground with everybody, yeah. um, but, but just, just stop being a bit mercenary, and, and also as well, you know, for the salespeople out there who are pushed by their sales managers to do more calls and more meetings and more Zoom calls because numbers equal more sales. By all means, from me, tell them to go and get fucked. And I had this conversation actually with a few of my friends in the recruitment space, and they say, please don't call me, let me call you back because my KCI uh, or KPI, so key performance indicator right now, is the number of calls I land, not the number of things I do. And I feel from from a perspective because I've been the one that was designing KCI and KPI and in big organization you can't be as stable as possible. But being human, it's okay. And especially you can apply maybe that for smaller organization. For bigger organization, it tends to be cascade of controls from top down, unless you have a sure. savvy organization that says, you know what, let's let's focus on outcome and result. But not a lot of organizations that we that I've seen specifically are very savvy and specifically the bigger they grow uh the less uh the more mandates they put in that in those cases yeah in those dry metrics if you want yep yep and that's I, I, I the state of things so it, it is and i've worked for those organizations as well you know and 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 it, i've left organizations like that as well because i just cannot um i i i i cannot put across to people who I have to report into that actually having more meetings equates to more sales, mm. having more valuable meetings equates to more sales. I could, I could litter my day with 10 meetings a day. And they're pointless. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I'd still sell nothing at, at the end of the day, you know, so it's, it's about those valuable meetings and it's about offering value. And I think for me, buddy, this is where LinkedIn comes in, you know, it, hopefully, through the through the posts I put out, the humorous posts and the ranty posts and the videos and all of that type of stuff. Hopefully people get a flavor for me of the type of person they're gonna meet if they want to have a chat. And and if they don't like what I'm putting putting out, then great, I've I've instantly qualified those people out who feel that they cannot or don't want to do business with me and that's okay. That's all right. Great, because that's effectively mapping your ideal client, showing your persona, showing your personality, being a strong presence on and saying you can get along with me or not, but then I'll select immediately the people that are like-minded that will want to do business with me. And not everybody likes a direct approach, uh, specifically in the UK. It's it's quite rare, me being an Italian of origin, you know, Italian are very direct <laughs> and I've been working mostly with American companies. So... Um, I tend to be very direct, so that approach here sometimes is 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 not um, is considered a little bit too rude, if you want. Or I've been referred to as rude because I was very direct and not um, 
saying things between the lines and being polite and you know saying things between the lines that that's a two-way street as well right yeah so so i've been in plenty of those meetings with CISOs who are equally or if not as rude or equally or more rude than what you've just described there you know but and and they do it some of them do it from an arrogance point of view don't don't get me wrong there's loads of great ones out there as well but but i think that's a two-way street and i think that's about respect and and also as well i'm i'm not afraid in those meetings to turn around and go this meeting's over dickhead i'm i'm off because i don't need their business that much for them to sit there and be rude and arrogant to me you know i i want to build a trusting relationship a lasting relationship with people i do business with who truly want to purchase the services or whatever i've got to offer them they truly want to purchase those things because i will only be selling that stuff to them if i fully believe in it and if i'm fully passionate about it because starting off as a as a techie in this industry i still consider myself to be technical if if i'm you know if i don't have all the skills i used to have and that 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 technical badge of honor is is ultimately um part of my integrity and my professionalism that i can't compromise just to get a sale through the door you know yeah no i, I absolutely understand and i agree and yeah we are it's, it's a little bit tough in this industry to be you know polite and to it's a difficult balance between being direct and polite, but ultimately, I agree with you. Uh, the ultimate effect is you want to do business with people that are like-minded, and and you want to go happy at work, but also you don't want to be, don't be a dick. <laughs> and I shared, <laughs> and I shared this on Twitter. It's like share it at the beginning of the day. You know, just go out and be human with other human being, and consider that not because you have a screen in front of you you are allowed and authorized to say anything that you want. And sometimes, I think specifically in COVID, I've seen um, people changing from a positive perspective. So introvert had their stage and we had a plenty of discussion with a few, uh, with few people on the podcast before that introvert are right now having the stage because talking to a media, maybe they can display and show off a little bit better their skills while other people are still adapting to this media. Uh, but on the opposite side, uh, some people are just, you know, getting the worst out of it. And, you know, because if there is a screen, because you can't see me sometimes, I can be as rude or, or as aggressive as you want. Have you seen a shift? Plus also as well, when you're not face to face and when you're sat on a screen, you can be sat in your pants. Nobody... <laughs> No, nobody cares, right? They're only seeing you from the waist up, hopefully. So, you know. I had plenty of conference when we all, all of a sudden stand up and say, let's everybody show the beautiful pants that we have. <laughs> Luckily, everybody was wearing shorts, but not. <laughs> Good. Good. But, but you mentioned the word there that's really interesting and is key to this, is being human. And, and you do have to be human. To, if you are going to talk to people over, and, and you are introverted as well, you know, treat people the way you'd like to be treated or, or, or the way you'd like your mum to be treated, right? Because some people like to be sheltered at. But treat people the way you'd like your mum to be treated and, and actually just be a human being with them. Because what I'd like people to get out of the stuff they see and hear me talk about is actually if we're in a pub having a drink together, I'm that same person. I'm not different. This doesn't get put on for, for likes and comments and shits and giggles on LinkedIn. This is me as a person. So, 
you'll hear the same stuff and you'll hear the same views and opinions if we're having a drink together as if you're watching it on LinkedIn. It's fair. I tend to filter a lot what message I say on LinkedIn because um, because of history. So I got a lot of bad feedback and bad things for being too direct on certain topics or standing for certain topics. So I, I had a PR team before uh, this whole COVID hit that filters some of my message. And that's unfortunately the, the opposite of working with certain specific client that want to filter whatever you say because you end up representing also them um it's fine uh, ultimately that's what i signed for um and i tend to give my message as much as i can but on, on the messaging uh, i really like the video that you do and how did you come about doing them tell me the history of of what you did for the first video because they're really they're really personal i mean you put a lot of your your stuff and yourself into them so so my first video I can't talk about I was younger than needed the money, you know. So now my, my, my first video was just me in a room like this, um, talking about some stuff, talking about uh um how how the how the current market around advanced detection and response is, is currently missing the boat if people think that the answer's in a log somewhere, you know. So it's just talking and, and there was no frills or anything like that, it was just me. But then as I, as I went on and as I started to find my voice, which I always had, but as I started, it, it wasn't finding my voice. It was having the confidence to be authentic on LinkedIn. And that's important to me. It's the confidence to be authentic. And, and so I, I got a bit more adventurous. I, I engaged with some folks as well who make me look really windswept, humorous and interesting, right? I'm quite dull in reality, but um, although a few beers, karaoke, and the man, right? A bit of France. I'm more of a whiskey man, but yeah, I, I, I hate you. Nasty, don't worry about it. <laughs> but, but yeah, they, and, and they, they, they add the, the flourishes to it. They, they add the, and also they come up with great script ideas as well, which is what you will have seen with the Teletubbies and the same stuff about a shopping channel and things like that. So we'll sit down. I love the shopping channel. That, that <laughs> came. That came. Um, I think we were discussing with Tom. It, uh, it takes a really a lot of money to make something look cheap. <laughs> but it looked one of those cheap commer American commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm sure there been there been so much work behind it because I, I do my I do some of my video editing and stuff. And to do that stuff, it takes a long time and a lot oh, of effort. But but it's so much fun, right? It really is. And and they'll say uh, so. We'll go in. We'll do a day or two days film and things like that. And they'll say to me, right, here's what we want you to do. And they'll give me. Give, give me an idea and we'll sit down and we'll talk about the script and the approach and stuff like that. And I'll go, you want me to do what? And I think they've got a game going where they try and strip a little bit more of my dignity away from me every time they give me a new How script. How far can right? we go with you today? <laughs> when, when is he going to say no? That, that's the when is he going to start questioning? Are we taking a mic? <laughs> And, and, and actually, you know, all, all of my life, growing up in Liverpool um, and, and being within that type of environment where somebody wants to be the funniest in the room or somebody wants to have a quip funnier than somebody else, you know, it was either you were good at football or you were quick with your wit or you got beat up daily, right? So, so that was kind of it. 
So and I, I wasn't bad at football and I'm quite quick with my wits. So I managed not to get beat up too much as a kid. But but it was it was trying to bring that forward and, and trying to use it to to show that personality, you know. And I think you talked about your PR team previously about them filtering you and so so for me, if if I've got a team that that does that to me, I think that's the time for me to move on from that team because I know myself well enough to know that the types of things I think about and the types of things I say, most of the professionals in our organization think the same things. Yeah, and that's that's tailoring your audience to a specific target. It's just that uh, I had to pass through to PR team, some of my clients' PR team <laughs> and my own one. And I got rid of the PR, my own internal PR team because, I, as, as you said, I'd rather have my voice and a circle of friends uh, rather than customer that want to work with people that are like-minded like me, where I can be direct, where I can don't need to dance around things and can be direct, get, be effective and focus on what's important and then avoid you know all those gray areas. And ultimately, I'm in a position and a place where, as you said, I don't need to go around and beg for business. If you don't want to do business with me, goodbye. There is other people that maybe will want to. Probably not me at the end, but <laughs> other people might want to. Hey, Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor and then we return back. This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization, and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on-premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. But uh, you, you talk about your time in Liverpool, how you grew up. Can you tell a little bit more about how did you start in cyber? How did you start getting involved in this kind of a crazy world and environment? Yeah, so, so I, you know, I, I was lucky enough and, and we're all a product of our kind of background and upbringing and stuff like that. But I was lucky enough to be born in the early 70s, which meant I was on that kind of wave of PCs entering the home in the in the early to mid 80s, you know. And, and my first um, my first PC was a ZX Spectrum 16K. And from then I was smitten. You know, I, I, I thought it was the height of, of technological advancement to upgrade from a 16K to a 48K, you know. <laughs> it was just, it was awesome. Yes. And, 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 and it just grew from there. A couple of my older cousins were in telecoms and were in lasers. They're 10 years older than me. And that kind of influenced my thinking. I wanted to get into computers in some way. I wasn't sure what it was. I initially did a... Um, a four-year mechanical apprenticeship mm -hmm. because it was the 80s and it was high unemployment and it meant a job and it meant, you know, even though I wanted to be a professional footballer, of course. And, and then at the end of that, I, I finished my apprenticeship. I qualified. I realized it wasn't for me. I then applied to Liverpool University and I blagged my way onto a university course with little or no qualifications. And then I joined the Ministry of Defence from there, you know, so... 
so from 91 onwards, it was kind of the beginning of, of my um, IT security career, yeah. So you've always been in IT or you grow in different sectors? So how did you, how did you decide, I'm going to be uh, in IT security because that's the field, that's, how did you fell into IT security or did you grow in different segments? <laughs> It, 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 it falling into it is how I describe it, right? I, I fell into the security elements, the IT security elements, because working for the Ministry of Defence from like 92 on, which you get a physical security feel, right? You get, you started to be educated in that kind of vigilance and paranoia around understanding what the threat is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then in about 96, a mate of mine, said, uh, I'm, I'm leaving my post. It's right up your street if you want to get into this. And he explained it to me. He was a security manager within the MOD. He was looking after, you know, interesting systems, let's say. And, and I applied for it and, and I got the job. So, you know, purely diving right into security was, was about 95, 96. Um, and, and then... I, it wasn't a conscious decision. Once I started reading up and for the interview that I was going to have, and once I started doing the job, I, it just felt at home. That's the only way I can explain it. It just felt comfortable. It felt right. No, I, I think I like, and that's the vocation we were discussing with, uh, I think, Alan in a couple of podcasts ago, where, um, actually it was Joe, Joe Gray, uh, where we said... Um, Maybe you can be good at cybersecurity if you're just in for the money. But ultimately, you need to feel the passion, you need to feel the drive because there is so much hour and effort and personal commitment that you have to put in this field to be excellent. So we have a lot of jobs that are open. I don't know if I think there is in the US is 1.2 million or 2 million uh, still job opening from cyber and we can't have everybody super excellent and super talented also because we'll be a bloodbath <laughs> a, rat, a terrible rat race but also the one that excel in these fields are ultimately the one that put all the passion in they go to the conference they talk and share and yeah. what's your view on the conference versus learning at home how did you learn about cyber stuff what was your learning uh, part in cyber security it, it, it was all kind of, it, it was all self-taught and learning on the job. I think I think experience is is often overlooked, right? The ability, the the ability to understand stuff, the ability to know how stuff works, the ability to put stuff together is great from a book. But actually, if if I can show you how to capture packets and I can show you how to understand what's in those packets and I can show you how to identify the areas that are for concern within there, then that's, for me, that's much more valuable than somebody who can describe what triple des is or what AES 256 is, you know. But I, I, I want somebody who can, who can not only have an appreciation to let, I can teach them that stuff or books can teach them that mm -hmm. stuff, right? What can't be taught is just the experience and the passion of tinkering with stuff. And I think that's how I started. You know, I, I was, did my own study, my own reading of books. And then I got to a point in the Ministry of Defence where I wasn't getting any hands-on capabilities. So I took it in, into my own hands to leave the Ministry of Defence in 2000 and go and work for a small startup in London where I would get that, you know, that capability of hands-on. Yeah, you know, because there's so many in our industry who are experts who've never 
configure the firewall or an IDS or a, you know, a, a Wireshark or, or know what the PKB exactly. is. <laughs> exactly. You know, so, or even explain how TCP IP works, you know? Um, and, and, and I think, I, I think for me though, that, that year and then the following five or six years with Symantec that followed on was a massive expansion in my technological understanding and my technological capability to do the stuff like troubleshooting and understand how to develop architectures for people, how to, how to, how and where to put devices, you know, how to configure them properly, how to tune them and all that type of stuff. It's, it's important. And, and it was a, it's always been a massive part of my background and what I try and tell other people who want to get into this industry, you know, the more of that stuff you can do and the more of that stuff you can do off your own bat. Yeah. Brilliant. You know, for, for me, if I was the hiring manager, I'd be hiring you and not the kids with a doctorate in quantum physics because that's, that's not what I want. Yeah, but also from a recruitment perspective, we had, uh, we had a session uh, with the Cloud Security Alliance on how to get job in DevSecOps and cyber, ensure the certification, but more importantly, the career path and what you need to learn and what you need to study and how you need to think. And as you say, tinkering is really what led to effectively writing those books, not just you know writing by default or somebody just coming up with these things uh, out of the blue. And I think tinkering yep. is the key for our industry because being curious and, open up, and opening up stuff is what led to a lot of our discovery. All the researchers are effectively doing that, tinkering, opening stuff, saying. And that's how I fell into cyber because I like yeah. to dissect things. So open up, uh, I don't know, cassette players or stuff, uh, fixing it or inventing new creative things to fix it. I think uh, back when I was... Uh, 12 I fixed my uh, DVD recorder and my cassette player because my mom wanted to buy a new one I said no I can fix it uh, or I can try to figure out how to fix it I, I went I googled uh, I look at the manual I look at a few things and you go you come up with solution it wasn't very pretty it was a lot of duct tape <laughs> because I think I, I I forgot some screw here and there <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's the true definition of a hacker, right? Exactly. So, so, so a hacker isn't the hoodie wearing criminal that every marketer wants. I took it upon me to, um, I think I had a, a little bit of a, of, of a fight around the term hacker and the and term hoodies. And again, I took it as a joke. Some people didn't take it very much and didn't like very much the joke. To, and um, I think right now the point of saying tinkerer rather than hacker because really it's somebody that tinker and open up with stuff and think about stuff um is really the key rather sure. than hacker a hacker can be anybody that that dissect things but right now has a very negative um has a very negative connotation i think what do you think it, indeed it, indeed well it, it, it does to the to the true hackers in in our industry who are about taking things apart looking for the flaws and fixing that stuff um, to, to the wider public at large, if you say hacker, they will think the hoodie, they will think the the, the criminal, and, and actually let's call them what they are, the criminals, right? Exactly. Attacker, you know, so, criminal. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's important. Uh, I think the, the, the original term hacker was from MIT for people that were just coming up with cool stuff uh, and, you know, reinventing technology with cool stuff. I think that was yeah. the original thing. And then it got completely sidetracked with hacker 
like uh, well guys with black hoodies and I like black hoodie and I can't wear the other one anymore. <laughs> Look, I'm 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 offering the antidote to a black hoodie, right? So so if it is, you know, so may, maybe if this is the podcast and people are listening, they won't understand, but I have a very, very bright pink hoodie on at the moment. Contrary to me that I'm still pretty much black <laughs> on the black side. Anyway, um, so if you wanna, if you can, if you can give some advice of people that wanna start right now in cyber, what would be the best advice? That you, what what would be the resource or what would be effectively the top three things to consider if you wanna start in cyber or if you wanna evolve your career in cyber? I, I, I think it. I think it's for any career actually. Fully understand whether this is for you and the reasons that you want to get into it. And and it's okay that those reasons are money as well because it's a profit. It can be a profitable industry to get into. But I think if 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 that is the thing that's driving you, you also have to be realistic with your expectations, right? So you're not just going to walk into a seventy thousand dollar a year job or seventy thousand pound a year job. As your first gig, right? You've got to work your way up, and you've got to earn your stripes. I, I think, I, I think for me, if if I'm looking for people to to join us, I'm I'm looking for uh, attitude. You know, a good attitude to stuff. Whether whether they're inside they're already or not, you know, I'm looking for a good attitude. I, I'm I'm looking for somebody to be positive about it, um, about the industry. And also as well, I was always taught this at a very early age when going for interviews, to mm-hmm. do, do a little bit of homework on the people that you're going to speak to, you know. You don't have to know their entire life history. You don't even have to know the entire company's history. But I, I remember going to uh, interview for Nokia once. And I did, you know, I and it still stays with me today. Nokia's original gig was, was manufacturing rubber tires, right? So, <laughs> so they weren't in that that transistor game or whatever phone game back in the early 1900s or, or whenever it was they, they were founded. So just do a little bit of digging. It shows the prospective employer or interviewer that you put in the you, time and the effort. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and just don't expect too much too soon. You know, um, I, I think uh, when, when, people, when people say, oh, you, you know, you're quite lucky in, in the role you've had, I I remind them that you know it's it's taken me twenty five years to get this lucky, you know. Yeah, no, and I think it's important to don't be a dick, <laughs> be a human being, and also being humble. I actually put it myself uh, on the fridge because being popular on certain social media, being popular on podcasts or on stage, uh, is really easy for it to get to you, and your head is is bigger than your body at a certain point. <laughs> Um, I have the perfect antidote for that. <laughs> my my family and my friends, they are the perfect antidote. So some of the... Um, take you down so, or, to, <laughs> or to level you back. To bring me right back down to it. So I, I was at, unfortunately, a family event, which was a funeral, but unfortunately, but, but my, my cousin came up. One of the cousins I told you about earlier on about uh, influencing me to go into this. Mm-hmm. And, and he came up to me and he said to me, he said, Ian, he said... Uh, what are you fucking doing on LinkedIn? Have a word with yourself. So, so it kind of just brings you back down to, to earth. You know, at a really somber moment, he takes time out to just have a go at me, which is brilliant. And, and that's exactly what you need, you know? And you kept doing what you like. And, and, yeah. and ultimately, it becomes, it becomes your... 
I don't know, your, your badge of honors. Everybody knows you about photos, video, and it becomes very personable, very, before you walk, they know more or less your style, who you are. And, and I think it's really important for your personal brand or also the brand of your company because it comes as a personal thing before even yeah. the product that you want to sell and is human to human. Yeah, I, I agree. And actually, I'm, I'm just about to launch my new brand. So I'm still the VP for Elementrix, but I think mm -hmm. part of what I've been doing and, and what I've been putting out there within my voice, you know, my, my latest kids' books that I stick out, the, the Goldilocks and the Three Passwords. Or yes, the, I liked it. You know, and, or, or, or the Little Red Riding Hood, Stranger Danger, you know. Or but the it's very, it's very punchy. It's, yes. it's really, uh, I like it, but it's really, uh, I feel bad every time I think it. <laughs> it, it. It's dark at the end. It's of very it. dark. But I, I often think um, of all the awareness campaigns I've ever seen or been through, they're all quite dull. They all result in you forgetting the stuff instantly afterwards. And, and, and I think from a cyber off point of view, which will be that new brand that I'll do this stuff through. Mm -hmm. And it will also include all of my LinkedIn content as well. So, so you know, there'll, there'll be lots of kind of free value there for customers to go to the website. Um, but, but what's important is that if you make awareness fun and rememberable, so if you've got great content and you've got humor, then you've got more chance of it being retained by the end users. So, you know, it mightn't be. And, and also as well, it's not, it's not a one-hour presentation once a year. These things are easily and Very used. punchy, very short, Correct. very we, punchy. Can out, and yeah, and you remember them. It can be used inside the organization or outside the organization as well, you know. But aren't you afraid a little bit about the political correctness again, going back to the English form, the political correctness then? Certain organization might be, you know, we can't use it because of HR rule or because, you know, it refers to, I mean, I'm, I'm referring to the uh, Goldilocks one, where it could be really interpreted from politically incorrect or it, it's true. It's absolutely true. And that's what happens. And for who, who, who didn't know, maybe I'll, we'll put some link uh, down the podcast where we refer to the various books that Ian has done. But aren't you afraid that can be taken a little bit more too much politically or too much on the chin for certain people? No. Okay. No. Simple answer with that is no. And, and, and I think I'll come back to the, um, I, I, if, if customers really want to get awareness over to their people, and they're worried about um, the way it's presented to them or the way the message can be retained, then they're already thinking along the long, mm. around the, the wrong lines. Um, uh, they, they should be. So, so where I find success is talking to the comms experts within organizations or talking to the educators within organizations and not so much talking to the security folk because I'm, you know, I'm going to be brutally honest here. Security folk probably aren't the best people to explain security Quite awareness and, and complex issues be, because we fall into geek speak. Because so, it's, not, you know. it's not our core skill set and Correct. we are learning as we go. It's, it's, that's why we never got into the board because we don't know the financial stuff and communication is the key things to actually communicate with people. And as you said, if we if we fall on the geeky stuff or the technical terminology, um, then you know 
everybody will blank out. And I had the discussion on LinkedIn, actually on Twitter, around the complexity versus the simplicity. And a lot of technical consultants say, oh, no, you need to this complex environment, this complex framework to explain effectively something simple. And I say, no, just keep it simple, keep it direct, yeah. Yeah, use cases. And maybe it's not the super duper professional consultancy firm that, that could come from uh, McKinsey or other bigger consultancy, but it's real and it's, it delivers results. And I am I'm a firm believer on simplicity. Absolutely, a firm believer on simplicity. And I like your I approach. Always, always remember, if you buy one of those consultants from the top four firms, right, you're going to get somebody with about a fifth of my experience who's going to charge you about five times more than I charge. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's usually my same discussion. But not only that, there are people that come out of those consultancy that are being, that grown with their mindset and the, the need yes. of complexity. And yes. I think... I'm on a campaign to demystify that for direct message and simplicity and practical strategy, complex and, uh, you know, overthought strategy, lose the context and lose the audience. And if you have a yeah. strategy that is just a piece of document or a document sitting somewhere, it's completely pointless. If everybody can deliver the message with your own strategy, you want. Yeah, opinion. exactly. And and I, I always use the, the, the barometer. If I can explain it to my family or I can explain it to my dad in simple terms, I can get the message over. I use the I same. And I talk with them all the time and they say, why do you keep on using as a skinny pig? <laughs> but they are actually now getting better at security, so I need to choose other people. <laughs> uh, anyway, we are short on time, unfortunately, today. Before we awesome. close off, First of all, I'd like to thank you so much for coming. It's been a wonderful conversation. But before we close off, can you leave our audience and myself with a positive message in this dark time about cybersecurity or, or our industry? Uh, so so uh, I, I think the most positive message I can ever give about cybersecurity is that if I had to go back and do my thing all over again and knowing certain mistakes I made in the past about choosing maybe different careers or doing different things, I wouldn't change a thing about cybersecurity. I feel ultimately grateful and thankful that I'm in this industry. I think it fits me really well. And anybody looking to get into this um, who, who is as passionate about it as we are, look me up on LinkedIn, reach out. I will help anybody as much as I can. Just, just reach out for advice or anything like that. I love that. I love that. And giving back to the community. You know, I'm big. I'm super big in that. That's why I'm, I'm doing the podcast. That's why the podcast was born originally, to mentor as many people as we could and giving this advice. But Ian, thank you very much for coming on stage. And, you know, it's, it was hard. <laughs> we reached a few times, but we made it happen. So thank you so much. And for everybody, thank you for listening. This is Francesco Cipollone, your host. And stay cyber safe. Thank you. Grazie molto bene. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP. And watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs>